Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week, we are exploring the journey of Jennifer Gennari, a teacher and editor, as well as the author of the middle grades novels Muffled and My Mixed Up Berry Blue Summer. On the last episode, we discussed Jennifer's work as a teacher of prospective authors and the approaches she employs to support their craft and empower their voices. Today, we will discuss Jennifer's first novel, My Mixed Up Berry Blue Summer and how Jennifer drew upon legislation in the early 2000s in Vermont to reflect the lived experiences of same-sex couples seeking civil unions as well as their families. Tell me where the story came from. Is it indicative of of what you you witnessed growing up in that area of the country at that time? So that's a great question, and I'm really happy to talk about um, my mixed-up Berry Blue Summer. So for listeners, it's about a girl named June who needs like a big slice of courage um, to enter her wild berry pie right into this Vermont County Fair. But it's the summer her mom marries her girlfriend. And it's also the summer the civil union law is passed in Vermont. And that summer, I actually was not living there. It was the year 2000. Side note, this book is now a historical novel and it wasn't marketed that way. <laughs> that's but, wild. Yeah. Right. It was the year 2000. Um, when and that's what would we characterize that as like fairly early on when states started to jump before everything became more federally protected recently. Absolutely. Vermont was the forefront. It was in the forefront. Vermont was the first state to pass a civil union law. Okay. It wasn't even marriage. Right. It was just a civil union law. Right. So it was literally the first and it was 2000. And there was a backlash because Vermont is like fiercely independent, but I wasn't living there then. And I'll tell you what happened. I was living here in California in basically the most liberal area of the state. Yeah. And, and the school district put forth a video called uh, that's a family, which you can look up. I can, um, we can put it in the show notes. That's a family. And it showed all these different families Families that were like the typical mom, dad, a couple of kids, families with a grandmother and a child, families with two dads, families with two moms, um, and all of these different families talking about love. A group of people in this liberal California town fought that release of that and said it wasn't appropriate for fifth graders or fourth graders, or I can't even remember the age group. And a whole group of us were just outraged. We just thought this can't be, you're fighting a movie about about families. And and it was clearly an attack on LGBTQ families. And so I began to um, imagine a story in which a child um, is, you know, bullied and, and, um, and attacked by adults because unfortunately, I saw this happen where community members stood up in a forum and this young uh, woman from San Francisco with two dads had come to speak about how her family's really regular and, you know, her dad makes her lunch and her other dad drives her to school. And um, and there were some bullies in the room who really were unpleasant. And that emotional core, I was so angry. And by the way, that's what you need in the story is is an emotional core, something to make you want to. Um, tell a story. So, and of course, I did not want to set it in California. And I thought about my Vermont knowledge and my Vermont experiences. And I didn't want it to be an issue book. So I thought of the blueberries picking and the whole setting of that scene and tried to give her a childhood life in which a a grown-up issue uh, impacted her summer. Um, 
and her home life um, in a big way. And so it took a lot of revisions. And I also like to share with people that when I have book talked this book with students, for younger students, many of them see this as a book about step parents, not really about the gender of the parents, because it is, it's about her acceptance of this new stepmom. Yeah. Um, almost more than it is like, oh, she's got two moms. Sadly, um, my mixed up very blue summer has been banned in Texas in this recent wave. And um people still it didn't sell like a whole lot because even in 2012 when it was released and obama just had come out in favor of um gay marriage and so i was like oh yay this is going to be huge still i think it only sold on the coasts in the u.s i don't really think the book made it very far um it received some recognition like it made it to the american library association rainbow list um but it was almost like early. And I've I've actually spoken with very like before it's time. <laughs> I've spoken to some other um uh gay and lesbian writers now, and they say they remember it because it was one of the first books for middle grade readers. And for people who may not know, middle grade is that audience um between like ages eight and twelve. Do you so, consider yourself a middle grades author? Because I've just recently learned about that distinction between middle grades and young adult authors. And I want to make sure I get that right too. Yes. Yes, I am a middle grade author. Okay. I, my target age range is readers between the ages of eight and 12. Okay. I think of my sweet spot as like fourth and fifth graders. Mm -hmm. So when I do school visits, I usually tell librarians I'd rather speak to a class of fourth and fifth graders. Um, yeah, by sixth grade, especially some of them might be in middle school. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also a, um, a, a thing in literature that these days, the marketing people say, if your protagonist is age 11, then it's a middle grade book. If your protagonist is 13, it's a young adult book. Oh, okay. And just to know the term young adult came about like in the 70s, in the 80s, they started marketing them differently. Um, the What we call children's literature is really the middle grade category now. So if you think of some of the classic books, those ones were just called children's books. And that's the distinction yeah. that's happened. It is a marketing dis distinction so that um, booksellers know where to put them on the shelf. It's like, oh, picture books are here. Middle grade is over here. Yeah. And YA is over here. Also, because the young adult genre really shifted to a dark area. And so for many parents and teachers and librarians, they're like, well, let's make sure that the books um, that are, are dealing with those heavier issues are very clearly for people who are in late middle. What I wanted to ask next was when you talk with um, young readers about this book in particular, does the idea of allyship come up? Because that was in addition to like obviously the power dynamics that the protagonist has to navigate. I found it to be very resonant about being an ally as like a straight person who's not part of that community, but supports that community and um, advocates for them in ways that we do and things like that. Does that come up? Um, that's great uh, to hear that um, response because that word allyship, I think, is not was not even around. Really. No, I only learned it like since I started, like since I had my doctorate a couple of years ago. Right. So I do that now. I talk to myself about being an ally. Um, yeah. But I yeah, I'm also a, a straight white woman. And so I'm always clear to people now that I wrote this because of what I witnessed, this emotional um, 
moment and I am an ally. Um, and that is something that um, I don't talk about as much with the children and maybe I should. I think that that a lot of the marketing and school visits I did, were, that was back in 2012 and 2013. And right. so I didn't have that term in my, in my pocket. It's it's just like kind of what I kept thinking. Like, so my daughter, my oldest is six. She's in kindergarten. And so like, she's about to the age where we're reading like some more shorter chapter books, but like, this is totally what I would read to her. Like even this upcoming summer or something, when she really has time to sit down and talk about it and things like that. Um, I'm I'm thrilled that you're bringing it up because right now you have to go to the Pen America website um, to to learn about the banned books problem that's happening. There's an organized um, uh, hateful group of people who are trying to uh, limit our freedom to read, um, yeah. students particularly freedom to read what they want. Um, they're trying to impose their views on everyone else's views. And they're unfortunately uh, uh, being, I think, um, funded and supported by people who um, have some very, uh, I'm just going to say racist views about American society. Right. So um, the book banning, I'm upset about it being banned in Texas, not for my book so much um, because let's face it, you know, I mean, it's sad because I know it's been taken off the shelves and I know it won't be replaced back on the shelves of those libraries and those school districts. Um, but I'm much more offended for the people who are, gay and lesbian and black and brown whose work is being routinely taken off the shelves because it's negating who they are as people. It's literally saying you are not uh, part of the American conversation. You are not um, worthy of being uh, telling your stories. So it's completely um, counter to everything that I believe about books and the ways in which they change lives. You know, I, I, we tell stories to um, to learn about each other, to learn about ourselves, uh, and to experience our own experiences, understand that we're not alone, and to experience other people's experiences. And it, it builds empathy. Well, that's that's the part where I kind of come, like, get really frustrated. It does build empathy. It, it, it helps students' literature does see themselves and, like, oh, it's okay to feel the way I feel, or this part of my identity is, like, being acknowledged outside of my brain. That's makes me feel like I'm not alone. I talked with um, Amy Lucido, who I think that's probably how I stumbled upon your name at first, that social networking, the, the good part yes. about it. And we talked about um, her latest book, which has a lot of, it deals a lot with being Jewish enough because she was brought up, it's very relevant to her story, brought up, uh, I think it was Catholic father, Jewish mother, something like that. And so the whole book was about this character navigating if they were could be called themselves Jewish and have a bat mitzvah and things like that. And she's one thing she said to me that stuck out was the book, a book at the right time could change, save someone's life. Mm. And to take away those uh, those lifesavers off of shelves, I just feel like we're doing such a disservice yeah. over very narrow minded thing. Like, it's OK if you and I don't agree with things, but like certainly you shouldn't negate. I don't know. I'm not saying it very eloquently because I get upset when I talk about it, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you've already spoken to the heart of the matter that, you know, you, you, you can't, uh, you're trying to define um, people's identity or take away people's identity and it can be life-threatening 
um, for the closeted youth in um, in states where that's deemed unacceptable. Right. And All Boys Aren't Blue, the book by George Johnson's one that like, I think it's, it seems to be the archetype of this whole issue where like, I, I have a couple of friends who came out to me like late in college or after college just being gay, like very close friends of mine. And I was always like, wow, I can't believe they didn't tell me sooner. Like what the, when I read his book, I was like, oh, they were scared. That's why they didn't come out to me yeah. sooner. And so even like if it's not my story, but giving me a window. To- In a time when books are being banned or censored in record numbers due to sweeping legislation in conservative leaning states, the notion of leveraging literature for young readers as a window to the experiences of others who are unlike them is seemingly under attack. My Mixed Up Berry Blue Summer may have been quote-unquote ahead of its time, but it is very much of its time now, as LGTBQ plus rights are under attack here in the United States as well as internationally. The story of June and her family in this novel may be of a massive benefit to young readers whose families are experiencing similar circumstances in our contemporary times, as well as foster allyship from all readers for the queer community. We will finish exploring Jennifer's narrative on the next episode on this podcast feed. You can connect with Jennifer on Twitter at Jen Jen. That's at J-E-N-G-E-N-N. A link for more information about That's a Family, the film Jennifer mentioned during our conversation, has been included in the episode description. My contact information is also in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening.